one thing about having a big family is you can take your congregation with you wherever you go. <laughs> so it's good to be here. It's a joy and, and a pleasure. And um, actually, today is a, a special day. I probably should wait till my wife comes back in here to say this. Uh, but, you know, it's good to have parties for milestones that, in our lives. And so actually, our, our daughter, uh, Lila... This was her 16th birthday was this past week, and so we had a big 16th birthday party yesterday. So, but because we had a big party yesterday, we, we oh, I'm sorry, right there. She was too embarrassed to raise her hand. That's Lyra right there. Uh, so, so because, you know, we can't afford to do big parties like that all the time, but, but see, I plan it this way because today is mine and Lisa's anniversary. So this way, we've got our own party right here. It didn't cost much either. So so thank you for being here and celebrating our anniversary with us today. As I said, it is a joy and a pleasure to to be here. And today we want to talk about the right tools for the job. I'm going to take a look at 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, verses 3 through 8. Uh, And we'll take a look at that here in just a moment. So if you have your Bible or your... your, uh, app, whatever it is you use for scripture uh, to read, then you might want to get that out. We'll, we'll take a look at that here in just a few moments. Um, one thing you need to know about me is that throughout the course of, of this uh, message is that I tend to ask some question. And now, now here's the thing. So far, I get the feeling that this is a pretty vocal group. And that's, to me, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, unless, as long as we you know, keep it under control because I've been in some places they get a little wild and crazy. But, but when I ask a question, usually that means I'm, I'm expecting an answer. Now, if it's one of those deep, thoughtful, personal questions, you know, maybe I'll say, no, you don't have to answer this. Uh, but when I ask a question, it's, it's good th- that you can answer that question. And so the, the first question I want to ask you as we start off is this, as we're talking about the right tool for the right job, does anybody here like to think that they are handy with tools? Wow. Okay. <laughs> right off the bat, strike out. Yeah, so, and so I'm, I'm pretty sure there are probably at least a few people here that are handy with tools or like to think they're handy with tools. Now, there may be a few of you, and, and you, uh, you think you're handy with tools, but there's someone else in your house that you live with who probably thinks you're not quite as handy as you think you are. So that, that happens. But uh, I would imagine there's probably a few people here that would fancy themselves a handy man or a handy woman, as it were. So as a handy man, handy woman, when there's a job to be done around the house, what's one of the first things that you do? You figure out what you need for the job, right? Uh, because if you don't, what you do is you, you think a 30-minute job uh, is all, it's always going to be about 30 minutes, and what happens is you don't prepare, you don't plan, you don't get all the right tools, all the stuff that you need, and you end up spending half your day going back and forth to Lowe's or Home Depot, right? Uh, and so a quick job becomes uh, much longer and much more frustration than you ever hoped it would be because you didn't plan. Well, well we should know that if we're going to do the job, that we've got to have the right tools for the job. And so uh, that made me think about having the right tools. So I, I brought some, some props with me today, uh, toolbox, tool bag, tool chest, whatever it is, wherever you keep your tools. And so, see, the thing about it is here in, in my handy-dandy little... Um, tool bag, well, as you can imagine, I've got some tools. So everybody knows what this is, a hammer. Probably if you're, if you're going to prepare a toolbox, 
this is a good place to start because a hammer comes in handy for a lot of things, right? Uh, you gotta, you got to drive that nail. You've got to pull a nail, use a claw hammer, right? Or you get really mad, you just want to beat something. You know, you've got that, you got that hammer too. So, um, so pretty, pretty basic. Uh, you know, if you're going to have to, me- you're, say, you're hanging a picture or uh, you need to measure something, obviously a, a tool that you need is a tape measure, right? Um, if you're doing some plumbing work, maybe you need a, a pipe wrench. Okay. So all of these things, another basic, a screwdriver, all of these things have specific purposes. Every one of these tools is a little bit different, and we use them differently. One of my favorite tools I want to show you is this. Ah, the power tools, right? <laughs> right. Anybody remember Home Improvement and Tim the Tool Man? Arr, 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 right, the power tools. Um, I probably, and this is one of the best purchases I ever made. Uh, Once I made this thing and I got this thing, uh, oh, it was great. But power tools, you love the power tools, right? But every one of these tools has a specific purpose for the job at hand. So we evaluate the job, what are we going to need, and then we acquire the tools. Hopefully we already have them in our toolbox, we're already prepared, and we don't have to do much more than take a quick trip to the, to the garage or wherever we store our tools to get what we need for the job. You see, I like to be efficient, and efficient tools are the right tools for the right job. Well, do you know that Christ supplies us what we need as our job or for our job as a Christian. Do you ever think about that as, as a Christian, a follower of Christ? We have a job. Now, now, job may be something you don't enjoy doing, and so maybe you don't like that term, but the idea is that as a role, our role as a Christian, there are some things that go along with it. There are expectations uh, that go along with it. And when we have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, our job, number one, is to be the best at following Christ that we can be. Let's take a look at this passage today from 2 Peter chapter 1, picking up with verse 3. It says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called to us His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Won't you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word to us, and Lord, I pray that each and every one of us today will open our hearts and that you will speak to us, that your spirit will move among us, Father, and that we will take away exactly what it is that you would have us to take away from your word today. Lord, help me to step aside and and to let Jesus shine this morning, and it's in his name that we pray it all. Amen. Let's talk a little bit about, first of all, Peter. Second, Peter one of two books in the uh, Bible that are credited to Peter. And so Peter is one of the apostles that we know probably the most about from interaction in Scripture. Uh, he, he was, well, Peter was a, a bit of a know-it-all and a bit of a loudmouth. And one of those guys that, and we all probably know someone like this, that really kind of 
speaks without really thinking things through. Anybody know anybody like that? Some of you just nudged your neighbor. Uh, but, but, you know, he was kinda, Peter had what we in the old school might call the uh, foot-in-mouth disease. He'd often say things and just open his mouth and put his foot firmly right in there. Uh, so we know a lot about Peter from scriptures, but as far as Peter and these, these two books, First and Second Peter, that are part of the New Testament, um, we know that Peter was probably writing to Gentiles, Gentile Christians. Peter was one of the first of the apostles to go out and begin to take the gospel truth to the Gentiles. And in this letter, what we find is that Peter is, is battling against what seems to be an early form of something called Gnosticism. Anybody ever heard of Gnosticism? Okay, Gnosticism uh, really came to prominence in the second century, but Gnosticism is the belief that matter is evil and spirit is good, and human beings are trapped in an ordinary physical world, and the only salvation comes through gnosis or knowledge, and, and that's the Greek word for knowledge, gnosis. Um, in this case, the knowledge of your own humanity and the, d- divine, the need for divine spark to be revealed. Basically, the thing about Gnosticism is you are your own path to salvation because you would, through your knowledge and through your growth in knowledge and what you know, would come to that point that you would save yourself. Obviously, this flies in the face of everything that the gospel teaches us, that we can do nothing without Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the one and the only way for us to be saved, to know salvation. So anyway, that's what Peter is, is dealing with here. And, and it can be very confusing trying to understand it all. And I don't mean to make your head spin uh, this morning, but Peter begins here by telling his readers or his listeners that they need to grow in the right knowledge. Yeah, knowledge is good. There's nothing wrong with knowledge. We all want knowledge. We need knowledge. But what you need is you need the right knowledge. And as he says in verse 2, the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So if we take this idea of understanding and knowing and growing in knowledge and then think about the right tools for the job, we need to understand that having the right tools for the job, it all starts with knowledge, doesn't it? You see, first and foremost, it's a godly knowledge, a godly knowledge that begins with the saving grace knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, I don't know where you are this morning, but, you know, there may be someone here who's never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And so when I say saving grace knowledge, that's what I mean. It's knowing that God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus then grew up without sin and then willingly laid down his life, sacrificed himself, paid the price so that you and I might be forgiven of our sins and that we might come to that, again, saving grace knowledge of God and Jesus the Son. So it's about putting your trust in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not die but have everlasting life. So see, it all begins there. It's having that knowledge of Jesus, of who he is. But we're not talking about just a head knowledge, but it's a heart knowledge. So when I say knowledge, it's the complete package. Because I don't know about you, but I've known some really smart people that are really dumb when it comes to things of the Spirit. We, we can learn and we can know and, and we may be able to recite stuff forwards and backwards, but until we know it down here, so we're talking about knowledge, the complete picture, knowing it up here, but knowing it down here as well. 
So put your t- trust in Jesus Christ. It comes from him. Start out, and we don't start out being perfect. I think there's a lot of people that holds them back because you know, they want to come to Christ when they've got their life together. They say, you know, I, years and years ago, I was working at a radio station, and uh, there was a guy that I worked with and talking to him about church, and he said, you know, I, I know all that. Again, he had the knowledge. But he's like, you know, I've just I've made too many mistakes, and I'm, I've messed up my life. And he goes, I'm going to get there. When, when I get it all together over here, then I'll get over here. But see, he had it backwards, you see. Because if he just come over here and give his life to God, then God will help him get it all together, right? You see, that's that knowledge that comes full circle, the heart, the head. And it's about knowing you don't have to be perfect to come to God. You see, God already knows you where you are. He knows your imperfections, and guess what? He loves you just the same. And he says, come unto me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. That rest comes from knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. So we grow in that knowledge. doesn't start out with being perfect, just a desire to grow in knowledge of Jesus not, not talking about book smarts, but again, that head and heart knowledge. Know you need to grow. Don't leave it there. So, so that knowledge of Jesus Christ, but then knowing that we need to grow and not leave it there. How many of you know something, but then never do anything about it? Think about it this way. It's Saturday afternoon. You're sitting there got some football on the TV, and you're just having a grand old time. Your favorite team is winning, and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you get this feeling in your stomach. It's like, hmm. And then the longer you sit there, all of a sudden, your your stomach starts to rumble and make some noise, kind of an empty feeling in your stomach. So you're thinking, hmm, you know, I think my body's telling me I must be hungry. So you've got this knowledge now, right? I know I'm hungry. But then you sit there, and you don't do anything about it. Now, how many of us really, and that's a bit silly, how many of us would do that? You know, he's like, I'm hungry. Okay, as soon as the commercial comes on, I'm going to this kitchen. I'm going to fix me a sandwich. I'm going to heat up some of those leftovers. I'm going to do something. I'm going to get something to eat. I'm going to take care of that hunger in my belly. But how many of us as Christians, we know what we need to do. We have the knowledge up here of what we need to do, but we sit and do nothing about it. So see, growing in knowledge is not just knowing it up here, but it's also getting up and doing something about it. Know we need to grow. Don't just leave it. You see, there's an understanding of God's grace that sanctifies us. You ever heard that word before? Anybody know the word sanctify? Set apart. Exactly. Sanctified is set apart. And and sometimes in theological circles, we talk about God's sanctifying grace. God's grace that reaches out to us and draws us unto himself. And then when we accept Jesus and we accept him as our personal Lord and Savior, then that, that knowledge sets us apart. We are now sanctified. Hallelujah, right? We're sanctified. But the problem is, is that we live in a world that's lost, and we, we live in a world that's dark, and we live in a world that's sinful, and what happens is, is even though we know Jesus, and we're sanctified, hallelujah, but we also live and operate in this dark world, and it's easy to get drawn back. 
It's easy to get pulled back into that sinful lifestyle or to be affected by just all the junk that's around us. So sanctification is a process, and although we've been saved and sanctified, set aside, uh, it's a process of continuing each and every day to seek out our salvation. Paul, Paul talks about being saved and continuing to work out our salvation. It's this idea of we need to continue to work every day. It's not a one-time decision. We make it, we're done, and then we go back to life as it was. No, and that's not it at all. It's about being sanctified each and every day. And knowing that and understanding that helps us to know how to stock our spiritual toolbox. You see, each and every one of us as a follower of Jesus Christ has a job to do, and we need to know our job. The first job is simply to be the best at following Jesus Christ that we can be. See, if we're going to be effective at our jobs, we need to grow in knowledge, that head and heart of Jesus Christ. We need to know our role, and we need to know that job, and we need to be prepared for the job at hand. First and foremost, the thing that we need to know and understand as we grow in knowledge is we need to have a knowledge of love. You see, it all starts with love. In Matthew chapter 22, this young man came to Jesus, and and he truly was seeking knowledge. He truly was trying to understand what Jesus was teaching. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, Teacher, this is Matthew 22, pick up in verse 36. He says, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he, meaning Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is is the great and first commandment. But then he goes on, he says, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So where does it start? It's that knowing we need love. We need first and foremost to love God. Not just love God a little bit. Love God with all your heart, all your body, all your soul, everything that you've got, you give it to God. That's how we truly love God. We put ourselves aside And we recognize where our salvation comes from. We recognize God and we seek to love God with all of our heart, body, mind, soul. But then it goes on and says to love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't know if any of you, anybody here on social media? (laughs) Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, this chat, the other chat. If you've spent any time at all on social media, you can see very quickly that we as a society have no problem loving ourselves. (laughs) It's very evident, isn't it? Now, think about how much we love ourselves on Instagram and Facebook and all these other places. Now, are we loving our neighbor like we love ourselves? Truly, really. Are we loving our neighbor that much? That's what Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I don't expect you to go take a picture of your neighbor's food and put it on Facebook. (laughs) But still, we need to love uh, others as much as we love ourselves. And so what it boils down to is knowing this thing. This is where we start, you know, the basics of our toolbox. Love God, love others. It's simple, but it works. Now, I say it's simple, knowing it is simple. Now, following through is not always so simple. But that's the very foundation of it. Now, as we build our spiritual toolbox and develop the right tools for the right job, we need to know the tools. 
Now, a few moments ago, I showed you that, you know, one of my favorite tools. Remember this one? Yeah, the power tool. Well, when it comes to our spiritual toolbox, our spiritual development, there is the power tool. Anybody know what the power tool is? What was that? The Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is the power tool because as followers of Jesus Christ, that is where our power comes from. You see, the, the key for us is just to stay plugged into the power. It's kind of like if you, you go walk into a room and the room is dark, and over in the corner of the room there is this lamp. You've got this floor lamp that is sitting there, and, and, and it's a tool to give light to the room. It's a tool to break the darkness in the room, right? So you walk into the room, it's dark, the, the lamp is sitting there, you walk over the lamp and you flip the switch, you turn the knob, whatever it is, but nothing happens. What's the first thing you do? Check the plug. Is it plugged in? Did somebody unplug it because they were vacuuming and they unplugged the lamp? You know, whatever it might be. Is the, is the lamp plugged in? So you look down. Oh, the lamp's not plugged in. You plug it into the socket. You turn the light. Guess what? Ah, oh, there's light. So what was wrong with that lamp? Was there anything wrong with the functionality of that lamp? Did that lamp not work for some reason? Well, no, the lamp, the function of the lamp as a tool was fine, but it wasn't plugged in to the power. You see, if we're going to be effective followers of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be effective at the job that God has for us to do, then we've got to be plugged into the power. That means we need to be plugged in to the Holy Spirit. And, and see, the thing is, one of, one of the things that, that just drives me nuts today about people that I meet who claim that they are Christians, that they have no idea, no understanding of the Holy Spirit whatsoever. Now, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and we talked about the Holy Spirit. We knew Father, you know, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. We knew about the Holy Trinity. We knew about the Holy Spirit, but we didn't really talk about it a whole lot. But, but what I've come to understand is, is when we don't talk about it, when we don't seek to truly understand the Holy Spirit, is we're not understanding where our power truly comes from as followers of Jesus Christ. You know what, what Jesus said? When, right before he, he headed back, the resurrection, he'd come back, he, he, he counseled and taught the, the apostles a little bit more before he headed back to heaven. He went up on the mountain and ascended back up into heaven. Do you know what he told the disciples that were gathered there? Jesus looked at them and he said, there's one that's coming. There's one that's coming after me. And the one that's coming after me, he will give you. He will give you the power to do the things that I have and do even greater things. Wow, mind blown. This is Jesus we're talking about here, right? But Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is coming. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you the power to do the things that I've been doing and do even greater things. Whoa. So why is it that so many of us, who claim the name Jesus Christ. So many of us who, who have some knowledge of who Christ is, who have some knowledge of the Bible, who have some knowledge of what God wants for us, simply refuse to plug into the power of the Holy Spirit. And we settle for a spiritual mediocrity. You see, God wants us to be plugged into the power, and He wants us to do great things in His name. But it's not going to happen unless we know how to use the power tool that is the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever heard of a man by the name of Billy Graham? Anybody? 
I hear some laughter. You're like, well, of course. But Billy Graham said this about the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit illuminates the minds of people, makes us yearn for God, and takes the spiritual truth and makes it understandable to us. You see, we need the Spirit to be fully who God created us to be. How many of you have ever been in that place where you've been talking to someone, you've been talking about godly things, or maybe it's someone who was experiencing a difficulty in their life. Maybe there was some grief, maybe there was some loss, whatever it was. And you sit down and and you're, you're trying to talk to them about, you're trying to cheer them up, but you're trying to give them encouragement, spiritual, godly encouragement. And, and then you say something to them, something very wise and something very profound. And when you get finished, they're like, you know, that's just what I needed. And in your mind, you're saying, where did that come from? I didn't know I had that in me. <laughs> but you see, that was the Holy Spirit speaking through you really had nothing to do with you at all except that you were open and obedient to God's calling and open to listening to what the Holy Spirit and you allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through you but that's part of the power of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf the Holy Spirit will give us things that we would not have otherwise you see the Holy Spirit is our helper and makes us more Christ-like the Holy Spirit gives us those gifts for ministry just like that speaking encouragement and to someone. The Holy Spirit also uh, gives us hope. In Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And don't we need hope? I mean, isn't that the name of our church here, right? We all need a little hope. Because the world is dark, and, and we are all going to experience some stuff. You know, we've all been through the valleys, and, and hopefully we know that uh, through the Holy Spirit there, there's hope that, that we're not going to stay down here forever. That tends to be what shapes us and what pounds us into, into who we are. Uh, but the hope is that it, we won't be here forever, in, in the, the va- you know, that we're going to head on up the mountainside. Hope. We all need some hope, right? And hope comes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us insight, guides our prayers, and just so much more. But we've got to be plugged into the power. We've got to know the power that comes from the power tool. And then there are other tools that we get through our connection and through our knowledge. We need to understand what God does for us. And in this passage today from 2 Peter, he gives us this big list of things. He he talks about, again, um, overcoming the world, of of getting past the sinful desire that is in the world and and what God can do for us and knowledge of God and knowledge of Jesus and what happens when we know these things. He says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. In other words, your faith is is what you know. Your faith is, is accepting Jesus Christ for who he is, but supplement that. Seek to be virtuous. Live a life filled with virtue. And live a life of knowledge, seeking knowledge. Anybody here actually enjoy seeking knowledge? Wow. Some of you are like, man, I don't want to admit to that because he may give us homework or something. (laughs) Seeking knowledge. I'm a kind of guy, you know, I, I don't necessarily like the knowledge that teaches me how to do calculus. 
But, but I like knowledge. I like just knowing stuff. I know, I know all kinds of random facts about all kinds of things. Quiz me about music, especially the old stuff. I can tell you all kinds of things that you, you had no idea about. But, but, but I, know, I like to, I like to you know, learn stuff. And I'll show my age a little bit. Remember when the Internet first shows up, right? When we actually have access to the Internet in the home. Any of you old enough to remember that? First time that you logged on and you hear that, right? And you thought it was amazing. Of course, now we think, oh, my gosh. What am I on? Dial-up speeds? What happened to my connection? You know, and so, you know the whole dial-up thing, and, you're like, and you make that little connection and the buzz. and connect. Oh, my gosh, this whole world opened up to us. And I remember sitting for hours just random facts and looking up all kinds of stuff about the Internet. Uh, but then I read this quote that said, don't believe everything you read <laughs> on the Internet. And it, and it told me that Abraham Lincoln said that, right? So, so don't believe everything that you read on the Internet. Um, so there's truth. There's stuff that's out there that's not always truth. But anyway, this whole world of knowledge opened up with the Internet. And so, wow, I just love gathering knowledge and we as Christians should want to gather, have that same desire to continue to grow and to get you to gather knowledge because it adds to our effectiveness for the job that God has called us to do. So knowledge, it also tells us then in Second Peter to add to our knowledge self-control. Self-control means you don't spend 12 hours on the internet looking for that knowledge, right? It also says be careful where you go as you're looking for knowledge. And then he says, steadfastness. Be focused. Be steadfast in our commitment. And then godliness. And then he goes on and says, add to godliness your brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. In other words, we remember what Jesus told the young man to love your neighbor as yourself. We can't love our neighbor as ourself until we understand to to have some affection, to, to truly learn to love. Now, understand that when we talk about love, we we realize that loving and liking are not always the same thing, right? Because if you have kids, especially you have as many kids as that run around our house, what you realize is that you love your kids, but you don't always like them. Okay, right? Am I right? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you said that because, you know, we should just like and love our kids, right? Yeah, no. You're, you're lying to yourself and, and lying to me if you haven't ever had that thought, you know. Because at some point you realize why some species eat their young, right? <laughs> so I'm just saying, but that doesn't mean that you don't love them, you know. You know, but think about how God feels about us sometimes. Because being a parent certainly gives us a greater insight to God and who God is. So brotherly affection and supplement that with love. And then he goes on, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, then they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. To be effective at the job, that means that we need to be fruitful. We need to be living in such a way that people can see the fruit. And that's a good question for us to ask about the people that we come in contact with. Do they look at us and then do they know there's something different about us? Do they know that we are being fruitful? Now, they may not know it or realize it, but hopefully we can understand if we're truly making a difference. If people can just look at you and talk to you and spend some time with you and know that there's something different about you. They may not not know 
what it is right away, that you're a follower of Christ and that you seek to live a little different than the rest of the world. But knowing, and, and by doing so, then we can have some influence on those around us. Another way that God prepares us or can help prepare us and, and prepare our spiritual toolbox is the allowing of spiritual gifts. And there are several places in Scripture that give us lists of spiritual gifts. You'll find some in Romans, you'll find some in 1 Corinthians. But the spiritual gifts include service and helps, administration, teaching, leadership, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, hospitality, discernment, healing, tongues, among others. And one of the things that I've run into over the years is I've talked to people about spiritual gifts is people can say, well, I, I don't have any spiritual gifts. Well, they couldn't be more wrong. You see, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you've received the Holy Spirit, then you've got some gifts, you see, because the Holy Spirit is the overall supreme spiritual gift. And what happens is, is the Holy Spirit then manifests in us through the other types of spiritual gifts like that list that I just read. And how that works is that God will gift us according to our calling. And see, a lot of people say, well, I'm not gifted because I can't get up and preach or, I, or I, don't, I don't teach well or I can't get up. I don't have a musical talent. I can't get up and help lead worship. You know, I don't do those things, so I, I don't have any spiritual gifts. Well, you couldn't be, again, more, be more wrong. Uh, because the majority of gifts are not so much the upfront gifts. It's the, the ones of helps. It's the ones of service, the ones of faith, the, the ones of hospitality. Those kind of things are spiritual gifts as well. So how are you using the spiritual gifts that God has given you towards the job that he's called you to do. Spirit will provide exactly what you need. Now, you may be sitting here and think, you know, okay, I've got some gifts. I'm just not really sure what they are. Now, there are lots of great tools online that you can go, you can take a look. There's some spiritual gifts inventories out there. There's some through like Lifeway or some of the bigger uh, Christian literature type companies. Uh, and, but, but just get online, find one. If you're not sure, just take one of those. And usually they involve, it takes a little bit of time because it involves maybe 75 to 100 or so questions. But it's really about understanding who you are and, and to trying to give their, uh, that, that inventory a picture so that they can try to determine. But now understand that, that these spiritual gifts inventories are simply a tool. They're very limited. Um, and should we ever put any limits on the Holy Spirit? You know? so, so don't say, well, I did the spiritual gifts inventory like the pastor told me to do on Lifeway. And it, told, it did not say anything about having this particular spiritual gift. But I'm really feeling God may be leading me over here. And so I, I don't know because this inventory says, it's not me. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, because that begins to put limits on the spiritual gift. And believe me, God every day takes people and calls them to a specific job that they are not qualified for or they do not feel qualified for. But here's the kicker. God doesn't always call the qualified, but here's what he does. He qualifies the called. Did you catch that? You see, if he's calling you to something and you think, well, I can't do that, guess what? If God's calling you to it, he's going to give you exactly what you need to do the job. So never count out the Holy Spirit. Never limit the Holy Spirit. And then the tool I want to talk about in wrapping up this morning is the uh, tools of spiritual disciplines. This is about taking all that knowledge and about putting all of those things in action. You see, again, we're not called to, to learn all this stuff and just leave it or learn all this stuff and collect it in some library where we write it down in notebooks or we, or we create digital files and put it on Google Docs and just leave it there and never do anything with it. 
It's about action. It's, it's about doing something with what we know. Now, there's a guy by the name of Richard Foster, and he wrote this book back in the 70s, a long time ago, but it's become a classic. Does anybody read books anymore? <laughs> I'm just curious. I figure that at least, you know, so I know some people say, I just can't read online. I can't do the Kindle thing. You know, I got to have the pages in my hand. I got to feel it in some, and that's awesome. Uh, but you know what? All that stuff seems to be digital, and if that's not your thing and you prefer the Kindle, go ahead, download it and read it, whatever you need to do. But the information is the same, but Celebration of Discipline is a book that Richard Foster wrote, and it's, it's become a classic, and it's a great study on understanding how to develop spiritual disciplines. And, and, and he talks about such things in a study, prayer, meditation, fasting. That's always been a tough one for me. I don't know about you, but fasting, because where I grew up, you know, I grew up Baptist, where, you know, you know what I'm saying, two's company, three's potluck. You know, that's, that's where I grew up. And, and so fa- this idea of fasting, pff, yeah, I'll fast when I go to sleep, then I'll get up in the morning and I'll break fast, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not what we're talking about here. But worship, fellowship, service, all kinds of things. Now, we don't have time to go into all that this morning, but I'd encourage if you want to know more about spiritual disciplines to just get online again, look, look up some of these tools, check out this book. There are other books as well. Uh, but, but that's about, again, putting what we know into action. First Timothy 4, 7 says this, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourselves. You see, if you're training for something, if your, your job is, is to go out and compete on the track team, and your job is to do the 400-meter dash, then you, what do you do? You go out, you train yourself, you prepare to be the best you can be at running the 400-meter dash. You discipline yourself, and that means you don't just show up the day of the meet and have a dozen donuts, you know, and, and drink a half gallon of Mountain Dew, and then show up and think you're ready, because halfway around, you're going to be puking on the side of the track, you know. That's not being disciplined. That's not being prepared. Uh, but God wants to, He wants us to be disciplined. And, and again, these spiritual disciplines are great ways things that we can follow that help us prepare for the job at hand. Again, job, <clears throat> jobs for each of us. God has a job for each of us. The first and foremost job is just simply being the best Christ follower we can be. And then when we are working on being the best Christ follower we can be, then, then God will send us. And maybe the job for the day is just simply to say a kind word to someone at work, to say a kind word to someone that you see in the grocery store. It might be to call up your neighbor down the street who's having a hard time. You may not even know what they're going through. But be open to whatever it is that God is leading you, and God will prepare you for it. But having done all of these things, having exercised spiritual disciplines, having an understanding of your spiritual gifts, having an understanding, all of those things just help us to do the job that God is calling us to do. Now, I can't sit here and tell you what that job might be. You know, that's between you and God. You know, we just know we need to get the job done. And to get the job done, we need the right tools. The right tools for the right job. Again, remember, God qualifies the called, and he will give us what we need. He will give us exactly what we need for the job at hand. So if you're not sure what that looks like, then spend some time talking to 
the Heavenly Father. Spend some time in prayer. Meditate on some scripture. And ask God, what is the job that you would have me to do today? Where is it that you would have me to go? Who is it you would have me to speak to? Whatever that might be, you pray about that. See where God will lead you today, tomorrow, and every day after that. Pray about it. Figure out the job. Then pack your toolbox and get to work. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word to us today. And and Lord, this reminder that you prepare us for the job at hand. Lord, we just love you. We, We want to be faithful servants. We want to be able to stand before you on that day when, when this life is over and, and to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, help us to, to, to just be the, the, what you've called us to be. Help us to be ready for the job. Lord, we know that you've given us the tools. Help us to use them wisely and effectively. Not so that see people look at us and say, oh, what a great gal you are, what a great guy you are, but so that people look at us and say, wow. I can see that you love the Lord. People can see you in us. And Lord, help us to remember that sometimes when we go out on the job that you've called us to do, that the people that we come in contact with, we may be the only Jesus that they know. So Lord, help, help us be a light for you. Help us to, to shine Jesus and shine the light of Christ on others. And help us to be ready so that we might be effective. Not for us but so that your kingdom receives the increase. So, Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray it all. Amen. So this morning, if there's anyone here who um, would lie, I'm not sure what you guys, all you, what you normally do, but if there's anyone here that uh, would, uh, you know, if you'd like to come forward and have somebody pray with you, there's some leaders, I'd be happy to do that with you this morning. Uh, whatever decision it is that you feel that God has laid upon your heart, whatever that looks like, I'd be happy to as we, as we come to a close. And you just come up here and let me know. I'd be happy to pray with you. I'm sure that some of the other leaders in the church would be happy to do the same if you're not comfortable with a stranger, you know, yet. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you, uh, it doesn't matter because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're all part of the same family. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, thank you. Again, thank you for the, the, this, again, a joy and pleasure to be here and to share God's word with you this morning.